Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Dear Writer. Hello to everyone who's a returning listener, and welcome to anyone who's new. I'm recording in Tauranga today, where we have a once-in-ten-year storm, because 2020 is very consistent. So it is very rainy, and apparently we're going to get some gale force winds later, which should be exciting. How have you been, Sarah? (laughs) Yeah, I've been pretty good, actually. I'm in Calgary, which I'm now a permanent resident in Canada, so that's exciting for me. Very exciting. Congratulations. Yeah. So how has your writing been going lately, Ashley? It's been, I think, good. So we've been kind of doing, I guess, both of us sort of like two books at the same time, I guess. So we've been doing a little bit of fixing up of our first book in our series, When the Rain Falls. So I was rewriting the first chapter. I thought it was going to be a little bit of more editing with bits of rewriting, but it it turned out it was just rewriting the entire thing. But I think it's a lot better for it. (laughs) Yes, I agree. We've definitely smartened up those first few chapters. For sure, for sure. And then um, I've also been doing a fair amount of research for our new book that we're starting, which is historical fiction. And I've been, people in my lab have been very happy because I've been digging through some old theses about like ancient Greece for research purposes. And we've always been told as like PhDs that not a lot of people read your thesis, usually two people, you and the examiner. And I thought that was sad because it doesn't even include your supervisor because apparently often they don't read them. But I've been, Sarah and I have been reading some theses, so I feel like very happy for these people because they've got an additional like one or two readers. <laughs> no, I've been in-depth reading it, like a book going through, except then I get to the note section and I'm like, mm, I might skip some of that. I just want the narrative. <laughs> They're quite good, these classical slash his- history theses. Yes. I've been enjoying it. It's been very interesting. I tried to find the lady who's one we've been reading about Thebes. But I couldn't find her. All I managed to figure out was that she had a daughter. So she might not be alive anymore because she could have been older when she wrote it in the 80s. Yes, that's true. So I I tried to find her, but with no luck. So I wanted to tell her that we had been reading her thesis and it might make her happy. What what about you? How's your writing been going? It's been pretty good. So I've had several projects on the go. As we said, we've been reworking the start of our series and we also changed some of the motivations of the antagonist so then I we had to go through the whole book and the next book and make sure that everything flowed after making these changes and sort of make small edits to the book um so that took up quite a substantial amount of time but then I've also been trying to plan our next book which has been quite tricky because every time I get a couple of chapters through it and then I think of something else that I need to research and so then I have to go away and it takes me like a full day or two to do enough research to feel like I know what's going on enough to be able to progress in the chapter planning. So it's been taking me a very long time. <laughs> I was going to say that this book's quite intricate. So a lot of moving parts. So. Yeah. And it's historical fiction. So there's even more like research you have to do to get it 
to make sense. It is a lot. <laughs> I mean, you'd expect there to be a lot of research with historical fiction, but even when you think you've got a handle on the events, you're like, oh, wait, how am I going to hook that into this event and where are the characters in this? And especially because in ancient Greece, it's not always like a very clear roadmap of this person was here and that person was there. You have to kind of make some links in between some of the facts. And <laughs> That's kind of helpful though, that it's not a set in stone like historical like events. So we can yes, kind yeah. of, <laughs> if things aren't quite working, we're able to sort of use a bit of creative license because experts don't 100% know what happened. So kind of get yes. around it. That's minor things. Yeah. The other thing that I have been working on was my own novel as well, which I have just finished the first draft. Oh, today, exciting. So I'm very happy. It's still not long enough to be called a novel, but oh, no. that's okay because <laughs> Novella still now. that I need to add into. Oh, okay, so. that's cool. Oh, it, how it's fun. an okay first draft. Exciting. <laughs> yeah. How many words did you get up to? It's around 52,000 at the moment. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a decent effort. For sure. Yeah. So I've got like a, a good 8,000 to go before I can officially call it a novel. But... <laughs> well, if you've got stuff to add. Yeah. That's okay. I'm sure you'll make it. Sort of things became more clear as I like went along. And like you think with planning that you've got this roadmap of where you're going to go. And then you're just like riding along. And for some whatever reason, the events want to pan out a different way. So I'm going to need to go back and change a lot. But it's exciting. So exciting. Yay. It's an accomplishment, I think, doing one on your own. I think it is. And it <laughs> did strike me, though, that I was like, I got around 50,000 words, which when you think about it, is half of what we usually have oh in gosh. one of our novels. That's so funny. Oh Maybe God. I'm just used to writing half a novel. <laughs> well, I have a feeling our, this ancient Greece novel is going to be way over 100,000 words. So it'll be like a novel each, basically. My goodness, yes. I think it's going to be quite long, but that's kind of a characteristic of historical novels. So. Yeah, part of the genre. So yeah, I think it's okay. It's not such a problem. So should we get into our main discussion then? Yes, I think Which so. kind of fits into what we've just been talking about. Yeah, it does. <laughs> about how we're going to solve some plot problems, which I think both Sarah and I have been doing a lot of recently, especially with planning this new yes. book and fixing the old one. <laughs> To be honest, I'm not 100% sure. I feel like I've come up against a lot of walls with planning this new novel. So I think I can offer advice and maybe it might make sense to people because I'm kind of going through it. But then at the same time, I'm slightly worried that because I've been having problems that I'm not going to be that useful. So it'll be interesting to see where this conversation leads. It could go either way. <laughs> So when I was when I was thinking when I was making the show notes for this podcast, I thought that there are probably two types of plot problems that people encounter. The first type is sort of a general like story plot problem. So how you're going to get from point A to point B in your novel, either in like the grand scheme of things or even just like smaller event sized things, like how you're going to say get one character to like go from this city to that city where it happens or something like that. And then the other type of plot problem is obviously plot holes that you find later, which are annoying and need to be fixed, but are a different sort of problem because often the bulk of your story is already written. So it's sort of 
harder to fix these flop situations. So I thought we'd maybe talk about the first kind first. How do we figure out how to get from well, part A to part B in a story as a whole? Well, that is <laughs> quite an interesting question. So I start by kind of looking at what's been done before. Like if I'm struggling, often I find, especially when I'm writing, maybe I have plotted it out already. If you're thinking on a more smaller scheme of things of how to get his character to like, you know, your outline point A to outline point B. Um, and you're just like, oh my goodness, I don't understand how I can twist the conversation or twist the events of what is currently happening to get there. And so sometimes I find it helpful to have a look at other books within your genre to try and work out what has been done before and what sort of techniques other people have used to get past that issue. And not saying that you want to rip off someone else's story, but, you know, maybe they used an extra character they might have brought into the scene to help things move along. So more like the plot mechanics that they've used rather than yeah, feeling yeah, like their exactly. actual ideas and things. And I also think that setting can also influence how to get from point to point. When you think about your world that you're creating and how your character fits into that world, the culture of that is going to have a large effect on day-to-day -day events in the character's life and how they're going to interpret like an event that happens or even how like the flow of the story is going to work. So for example, when I've been planning our ancient Greece stuff, I have been sort of looking at the types of festivities that they had in ancient Greece to work out how I can sort of intertwine the events of the story into the setting. And sometimes I've found that can help move the plot forward. What do you think, Ashley? I definitely agree with that. So usually when I'm thinking about plot ideas, I don't have zero ideas to start with. There's usually some, you know, small spark where I'm like, maybe this could work, maybe it won't. But I usually find that doing like actual research helps bring different things to light, kind of like what you were talking about with the ancient Greece festivities and things like that. So even not in the historical fiction, for example, like in other books, I'm like, oh, you know, they're in America. They need to get from here to here. Start looking, how do people, you know, how can you get from here to here? Oh, there's a train. Oh, there's this really cool road. And you're like, actually, that's quite cool. They can take this. Or so I find doing research you come across little tidbits of information which end up like feeding your ideas and helping drive your plot forward. What I find helps the most for me trying to, yeah. when I'm trying to figure out plot ideas. I think on a bigger scale, if you're looking at structuring your book to begin with, I tend to look at the three act kind of structure to be able to view sort of what's going on in each separate act and then progressively build the events so that they are kind of getting increasingly harder for the characters and sort of building more and more tension as you go. That was something that we found with the price of pandemonium, for example. I remember looking at it and we had this event planned for the end, for the climax. And I thought, well, you know what? We've actually kind of already done that and it doesn't seem bigger than what's happened previously like when I looked at all the events that happened throughout the book and so then we 
came up with a way of making that more exciting for the grand finale. So I think sort of separating events like that can help really in building your plot as well. I definitely agree. That particular example, I think first of all, really helped that book. Definitely. (laughs) A lot. You know, it definitely needed a bigger finale than what we had planned. And sometimes stuff like that you don't notice until you have written the whole thing and you read it through. And then you notice and decide, actually, no, this needs to be bigger or better, a bit more unexpected. Yeah. So I guess that sort of trends into the next part that you were talking about with plot holes and trying to work out how to change something that's already been written. Yes, (laughs) it does. What do you have to offer about plot holes? Oh, so first of all, you have to find them, which obviously your beta readers help a lot with that. But also, I guess in the first edits, you do pick up a a few plot holes. My first piece of advice would be to plan your book. I know some people aren't planners at all, but I do feel just a, you know, a skeleton plan can really, really help at least eliminate big plot holes. Uh, The smaller ones are always going to be there. And for me, I find the easiest thing to do is brainstorm all the possible options that could fix it no matter how ridiculous they are Uh, and then have a look through those and choose the one that is the most surprising but still works within the constructs of your story and if that fails I always find discussing options with other people is a miracle cure (laughs) somehow when you say the words out loud and kind of tell them the problem and you start talking through it say you give a example on how to fix it They'll ask you questions and suddenly you realize actually that doesn't work. Like maybe the character's motivations aren't right or it doesn't feel natural in the setting of your book or whatnot. So I find having a discussion, friend, partner, Sarah or James, (laughs) is really, really helpful. What do you think, Sarah? I would agree with that. I like to put people into the situation and then ask them what they would do. So I might be talking to my husband and... I will be like, so this is what's happening. And just imagine that, you know, this event has happened and you're going about your business, whatever the character is doing. What would you do? (laughs) (laughs) So if you like ask different people that question, you can get sort of a variety of responses and it can be quite helpful for kind of peering into other people's minds of, how something might work or how different personalities might view a problem differently. So I find that quite helpful. But I also do the brainstorming of all the different possibilities as well. Mine's kind of more like a network because I usually do have this big idea that I kind of want to join everything into. Yeah. So people have that saying of there's more than one way to skin a cat. So how many different ways can you skin that cat? (laughs) Usually one of those ways will work better than a different way. Like you want to push yourself to go beyond the obvious. I don't know. I'm trying to think of an example. Say a character wants to get rid of a person who's in their way. So the obvious sort of thing to do would be oh, the character's got to kill that other character. But maybe that doesn't work with your plot and you want 
the other character alive further down the road for whatever reason. So then you have to start thinking, how am I going to twist this character who wants to kill the other character? Sorry, this is sounding super clear, I know. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But how are you going to twist the story so that they feel like they're getting what they want, but then it's also surprising and it sort of fits into the final plot as well. That makes, that makes sense. Like they don't just come, if the reader expects this character to kill another character, you don't kill the character straight away or you don't necessarily kill them at all to kind of surprise the reader. Yeah. That still drives the plot, the direction you want it to go. Do you remember, this is slightly off topic, <laughs> but do you... No, it's it's on topic, but I was going to say, do you ever find like with some plot holes, the plot hole is so minor, but the way you have to fix it becomes so dramatic. Like I was thinking in one of our, like in one of our chapters, how we needed, um, we needed a radio, but you can't just have a radio appear. So you end up having to like create this like massive scene just so that some character can find a radio. Yes. I yeah I agree are you referring to like the first ever version well I was I what came to mind what did come to mind was the um in darkness set us free how they need a radio to communicate but then as I started talking about it I did start thinking about it about the old version as well that's amazing just for the the listeners yeah in our first ever version when we were teens of our book they basically just robbed some like dead soldiers for a radio just so you know what we're talking about (laughs) it doesn't happen anymore but it was very dramatic (laughs) very gory (laughs) oh my god yes but even um I was just thinking of another one like we realized doing some edits that we had to they didn't have a tent anymore and then they had a shelter but then the knock-on effects of them not picking up a tent earlier in the book changed three books worth of material yeah, it's suddenly, you know, you can't unzip doors or anything. Yeah. I still found that. And when I was doing my revisions recently, I thought I had fixed that. I thought I had fixed a few things, but it turns out that I'd just highlighted them and I hadn't actually fixed them. <laughs> so then I'm just reading along and they unzip the door and I'm like, Not again. there's no tent. <laughs> what are they doing? So you do have to be like, if you change something, you have to be really aware that it might make inconsistencies later on. So that in itself can cause plot holes. So it's worth going through the book with a fine tooth comb, just so you don't have a character randomly unzipping a door that's not actually there. There anymore. (laughs) It was there, to be fair. Oh dear. So amusing. So I guess the other thing that you've got to think about when you're reading through the edits of your work is, I mean, looking out for inconsistencies, but also being aware when you disengage from your work, because inevitably there's situations and pieces of text where you start skimming over. It doesn't help when you've read it a billion times before, but (laughs) there's still a reason why you're skimming through sections. So when you start skimming, you have to stop and ask yourself, like, what is it that's turning me off this section and how can I 
twist this to make it more interesting so that I'm engaged? Like, is it because you haven't complicated the plot enough? Are they just like babbling on about nothing? (laughs) Or is it that, you know, maybe you've dumped a whole lot of exposition in the scene and it's too information heavy. And so you kind of switch off and also noting and asking your beta readers or people who are reading through where in the book they got bored and trying to understand the reasons why they got bored. And then when you sort of work out the places where you get drawn out of the plot, then you can kind of start uh, spotting the plot holes. They were going to say splotting, and I was like, yes. (laughs) You should make that a new word for when you look for plot holes. It's not like... Splotting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sorry guys I can't go out for dinner tonight I'm splotting yes, I really like it <laughs> um, no, we did have this exact problem in the press pandemonium though with our beta readers both our beta readers picked up on a section of our book where they pretty much said it's a bit too boring pretty much and though not quite in those words and so we did have a choice at that point it, it lacked tension it lacked tension so we had a choice we could leave it or make some changes and we decided given that both readers pointed it out, that we should probably make some adjustments. Yeah, I think this is also why it's so helpful to have multiple beta readers because what we've found is that, yeah, okay, sometimes, you know, they'll pick up things and you can kind of choose. You can be like, well, they've picked up about this particular point, but we're not going to change that because that we know that if we change that, that's going to change the reader's attitude towards like a particular character and then things aren't going to flow the way you need them to so you do have to be careful when taking on criticism that some things you know should stay the same but then when you get multiple readers that pick up the same issue that's when you go yeah I think we have a problem here (laughs) yes and that ended up being quite major changes in the end yes but I I do think it was for the best Anyways, I do too. So yes, listen to your beta readers with a, I guess, carefully though. Yeah, yeah. You have to sort of question. I mean, I do it when, and that's the other thing that I was going to mention as well, is when you're reading through your book, I'm, Ashley will tell you, I'm like so critical (laughs) of our book. Any tiny uh, discrepancy or like I'll pick up and I'll be like, yeah, that's not realistic. I'm sorry, but we need to rework this. But, you know, I do that every single chapter is I'm always questioning, is this realistic? Is this true to the character? Is this even feasible for them to do? Do they have the skills? Do they have the abilities? And when you are constantly questioning as you're reading through, that helps pick up the plot holes. I definitely agree. (laughs) Agree that you're super critical. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Oh, no, I agree that it's helpful to keep, keep that in the back of your mind when you're reading through. I am super critical though. Sometimes I feel really bad. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, Ashley. Like, poor Ashley went through the start oh of our book. She gave me like four different versions and I was like, uh, no, I'm sorry. I don't like that one because of this. It was okay. <laughs> Until finally she came up with one. It was really So I was, um, James read all of them and he was like, that one's fine. That one's fine. That, they're all fine. And I was like, they're, they're all fine? What? <laughs> so he was like, oh, all of them would work, I think. And I was like, 
it's okay I'll find the perfect one what did he say about the last one I'm curious whether he thought it was better he or just, not he or was like, like oh he was like I see what you're trying to get across it works well and the other one he was like oh that's you know really dramatic or like but it works well it sounds really good and I'm like it doesn't matter <laughs> I don't know I can't wait it's okay though it was for the best I think it did what end up working well it was one of those moments where yeah. I knew the like sounds strange I knew the tone I wanted to get across not even the exact words but I knew the tone I wanted to get across to open the book because it wasn't it wasn't necessarily information I wanted to put forward it was just to set the atmosphere more than anything but with a character yeah. that really doesn't do atmosphere so I think that was one of the issues. I, that's what something interesting that I was thinking about as well was that certain characters of ours are better at starts than others. Like Lizzie, for example, she's had two beginnings taken away from her. <laughs> she, I feel like she has to start this fourth one. Yeah, oh, well, I think so too. All the others <laughs> have had starts. <laughs> but... It, it got me thinking, I was like, maybe she's just not well suited for begin. Like, I will find the words when it comes to us doing the fourth and to start it from her point of view, because I think it's important since all the other characters have had a chance. It wasn't even <laughs> but, anything to do with Lizzie's fault, though. It just ended up being more... More advantageous for... Yeah, someone else to do it. It works better. Like, they had more to lose in those chapters. <laughs> it's kind of funny. But I kind of got thinking, I was like, oh, Levi's a little bit tricky for a chapter one, isn't he, as well? He is. <laughs> Dylan was quite easy because he's a little bit dramatic sometimes. And Grace is like, she's always got that undertone, that undercurrent of fear going on. So it was a very tense. She's, she's quite easy for like starting and ending. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> you can really get the tension in there. Yes, and Levi's a very, quite a nonchalant character. And he's pretty casual. So having him start the book, it was, there was a lot of stuff you couldn't do with him. Yes. Because you'd read it and then in the next paragraph, you're like, but that wasn't Levi. He's not very dramatic. He's very straightforward. But we got there in the end. Many iterations. I did end up leaving it for a week though, because I I always find that helps me when things get, when I get like stuck in a character's head or stuck trying to get something perfect. Just like leaving it and then it ends up okay in the end. Yeah. So sort of bringing it back, would you say that that's kind of one of your your techniques for getting past plot points as well as to sort of let things sit and churn it over in your mind? Or? Yeah, probably. I I tend to let things sit a lot, although that's sometimes a problem because I'm not very good at working on other things while I let things sit because I like my mind to usually you know, be working in the background. But in this case, I did write another cha- entire chapter in the meantime, but that was more, I think, out of frustration. <laughs> in that example, it wasn't that I didn't know how to drive the plot forward. It was just finding the exact words to use in the instance. But for other plot, actual yeah, plot yeah. problems, leaving them, I feel I find that I do need to just not write, not write it yet think about it wait till I have more of a clear idea in my mind or know exactly what the problem is because sometimes when you find these plot holes it's not necessarily like the problem that you think it is like you can tell there's something wrong and you're like oh I don't like this part it's got to change and then you realize actually it's not that part it's this one little piece which makes it feel off yeah so sometimes letting things sit in that instance really helps avoids you changing 
a whole bunch of stuff that didn't need to be changed in the first place. <laughs> I would agree with that. I am not very good. I, as you may have noticed, but I never have just one project going at a time because I'm not very good otherwise at letting things sit and churn. I'm constantly trying to fiddle with things if I only have one project to do. So I solve that by having multiple projects. Do I just work on the other one? Yeah. It's like this one isn't going well. Let's just let's just put that aside for a minute. Uh, it can also turn into a procrastination thing as well. So I have to be kind of careful, <laughs> especially with this planning. So I thought to sort of put things in perspective for the pantsers out there because I have been in the past a bit of a pantser myself. I mean, we do always outline and we do always do chapter plans because as collaborative writers, we kind of have to. But for me, I kind of like to fly by the seat of my pants a bit more. And I understand how trapping it can feel to have chapter plans. So my kind of suggestion for solving plot problems is rather than going ahead and trying to do a whole book without any kind of planning because then you can run into like multiple issues of like you know you don't really have a climax here or maybe it's less than what the climax was in your beginning hook or you know maybe it's not complicating progressively and it doesn't really flow as well as what you'd like so I kind of start writing if I'm doing a project by myself, I'll start writing the beginning hook and kind of get a feel for the story. This is how I approached the one that I'm doing that I've just finished the first draft for is that initially I was like, I'm just going to write anything. I'm just going to see what comes out. <laughs> and It kind of came out with these ideas, which I didn't, I ended up rewriting. Like I actually started this book like ages ago, but I, only recently kind of revisited the idea but the original idea I kind of used and then jumped off to create that beginning hook and then you can kind of I think as a pantser it kind of works if you just separate it down into segments so you have like a, an idea of where you're going for the beginning hook and then when, once you get sort of past the first quarter to the first third of the book then start going okay well what am I going to do for this next middle build? How am I going to make that progressively complex? How am I going to get the characters to sort of work together in a way that is interesting and going to draw the readers in? And then I do think it's helpful to have your ending payoff kind of set in your mind before you start as well. And even if, you're not 100% certain on it, but you kind of have like a murky background in your mind. I find that helpful. I wasn't sure when I started what it was going to look like. And then Dan kind of mentioned something. He was like, oh, it would be really interesting if this happened in the end. And I was like, that <laughs> wouldn't be really interesting. <laughs> so then I started thinking, how could I get to there? And yeah, you know, a lot of things need to be reworked and to make it all make sense and make these characters feel real and their motivations and the corresponding events occur in the way that I need them to to fall like kind of dominoes you know I need to change one of the characters for example needs to be less rebellious and more 
of like a very strict by the rules person to be able to sort of progress things. Make it make but sense. Yeah. <laughs> She's a minor character, so it should be pretty easy to do. <laughs> yeah. I've never been I've never been one to go that much without a plan. But I think that's I think that's more a symptom of the collaborative writing. Yes, yeah. You can't do no. collaborative writing. Although without like doing our, that. some of our chapter plans We do have flexibility. Yeah, so some of our chapter plans are pretty flexible. So I know some of them are like at camp, mention this thing. <laughs> You're like, oh shit. <laughs> Lizzie needs to get angry. And that's like the that's the chapter plan. At camp, Lizzie gets angry. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't that just happen all the time anyways <laughs> okay, well, that's a lot of freedom that's sort of the level of going off the cuff that I'm used to also though like collaborative writing how we get around it sometimes is we have one situation where it was like I was writing along and I was like oh oh this kind of naturally leads to this event occurring in this chapter which is a bit sooner than what we'd anticipated we didn't sort of think about that until like later on in the series but then I you know contacted Ashley and was like is this okay because I find that often when I'm writing an idea will occur to me and I'll be like that would be perfect but you know it wasn't in a plan and it does affect pieces in the book yeah so I think as long as you're communicating it's not a super big thing if you decide to change plan down the road you need to leave the leave it open for the muse (laughs) our our plans are never set in stone it's usually there's a few key oh I guess keystone things that need to happen yeah we're always pretty flexible about what happens between them or even where they happen we're never super set like this has to happen in chapter eight sometimes we'll switch chapters around move them over kind of push it you'll be trying to finish off the end of a chapter and then it'll be like oh I've actually started converging on the next chapter plan be like sorry Ashley (laughs) or the opposite (laughs) yeah or the opposite you don't mind you you're kind of you tend to draw things out whereas I find it hard to to do that and I can pack it down which is probably why like my own book has turned out to be like 50,000 words. I consciously try not to draw things out on purpose, but otherwise, because I write very, um, my sentences are less flowy, it can come across too fast if I don't try and pace it a bit more. So I try to consciously pace things out a bit <laughs> to stop that. I was so impressed with the, um, talking about getting from point to point. Yeah, so... <laughs> As we discussed with the little points and chapter plans, and because we leave it quite open, typically how we've worked it in the past is Ashley kind of does the outline and then I'll kind of expand it into chapter plans. Not that she can't step in and change anything. But so when we replanned the start of our series, I did a few chapter plans for them. And it was very murky. I think I gave an idea or something of how to get from this one chapter point to another chapter point, but I kind of left it open. And Ashley was kind of worried about it when she sent the chapter to me. She was like, I'm not sure what you think about this point, except it turned out to be amazing. (laughs) It was the one part in the whole chapter that just had me hanging on. Oh my goodness. I'm glad that happened because it took me a while to think of it. I think we can probably give that part away is that like she had a dog come out in front of the car, which I think is a really good way of like drawing people <laughs> in. If you're going to have something to do with an animal, 
people get really attached to animals. <laughs> so you can kind of use that to manipulate readers' emotions. And I think you did that very well. So Yes, well, it was kind of difficult in that chapter because they basically need to arrive at a house, but they're driving and it's a random house. So there was, I needed to find some way to make them stop and go to the house pretty much. Yes. And it's actually quite difficult to do to make people just go to a random house. So that's why I used the dog coming out. It worked really well. I think it was good because at that point they didn't know what was going on. So it kind of starts introducing the tension without going to the extreme of <laughs> what it was before. I'm glad it worked and that you enjoyed it. Yeah, I think we can probably carry on with our mistakes of the month do you think do you have anything else that you want to say about solving plot points nope I think we're I think I'm good I think I've covered most of the things I had written down what about you any last comments I think just to sort of hammer home the main one is just don't go with the obvious and just keep pushing yourself and keep trying to find those different ways because even when it seems like your character is stuck in this impossible situation to get out of or you feel like you've cornered them there's usually a way <laughs> you just there have to a, find it it's always a way always a way yeah anyways do you want to get started do you have a mistake of the month you'd like to share i have a few as <laughs> i usually do the funniest one that i found this month because we we didn't really do a whole lot of writing this month but as I was going over the book, I still found mistakes. Me too. Not very many, but there were a couple. <laughs> and the funny one that I found was, now one of our characters, Dylan, was creeping into a shop. He sees a shadow, and the shadow then says to him, it's me, Dylan. <laughs> Which, the shadow was Levi talking to Dylan, like, it's me, Dylan. <laughs> but it came off as, it's me, <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> like, I'm Dylan, which was very confusing because obviously Dylan's the one whose point of view it's from. So <laughs> it was like, who is this person impersonating Dylan? <laughs> and then Grace says, <laughs> she says something like, oh my gosh, Levi, in the next sentence, which makes it funnier because we, we were like, well, clearly Grace knows what's going Grace on. Grace isn't fooled by the Dylan impersonator, but Dylan is fooled by the Dylan impersonator. Yeah, he's kind of like, what, who the heck are you? So clearly I, I just chopped off the end of that and had, it's me. Well, actually, I haven't done that yet, but I'll do that when you get the chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't noted down. I have like a list of like things I need to fix. Do you want to go with yours? I can. I will go. Um, sticking with Dylan, um, <laughs> I, it's not quite the same chapter. I think it's actually his next chapter, though. So Dylan goes into this elaborate explanation of how he kills this soldier with a spear gun in the chest and then, you know, uh, changes perspective. And then later on, they're recounting what happens. And Jennifer says, explains how Dylan shot the soldier in the back. And I was, don't know how I never noticed this. But so we had a great contradiction because I went back and he does shoot him in the chest. And I was like, and it says in the back. And then I was like, maybe I read it wrong. So we're back again. I was like, no, it still says in the chest. I just, so I just changed it to Dylan shot him with a spear gun <laughs> or something just to check. I was like, this is the easier fix. Oh dear, Dylan. Back, chest. It's like it's such simple inconsistencies, but 
And, yes. you know, I have, when I was reading the Tomorrow When the War Began series, I found a couple of random inconsistencies like that. <laughs> but, you know, it's so hard to get rid of all of them that I totally understood. And clearly <laughs> most people aren't analyzing the text in the same way I was. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. So when I was writing my own book as well, for some reason there's certain words that I keep typing wrong and I have to like I notice it when I type it and I go back and change it again but it's really frustrating and it's always the same words <laughs> like <laughs> one of them has been clothes for some reason I keep adding an r in the middle of it <laughs> so then it becomes what? all my characters have lately been wearing clothes Oh my gosh, yes. Like C-L-O-T-H-E-R-S. <laughs> Clothes. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I've done it again. It's kind of funny. Like a soldier solider. It's, that one's really hard to pick up as well, because even it's, when you no, read it, it's sometimes... it's an actual word, so it never underlines or anything. <laughs> and even when you read it sometimes, like the when it's written correctly, you're like, soldier, that looks weird. And then, no, 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 it's fine. And then the next time you're like, is that soldier or is that solider? I don't know. Like when I was trying to write lieutenant. (laughs) And then I was like, because I kind of wrote it and I was like, that looks a bit weird, lieutenant. But because it's one of those words that you pronounce, unless you're American and pronounce it lieutenant. But it's one of those words that, well, a British English person, you pronounce it lieutenant. So it doesn't really make sense when you're trying to spell it out. <laughs> and I spelled it out and I was like, that looks a bit weird. And then I was like, well, it hasn't underlined it. No, it must be okay. And then I transferred the whole book to an ebook. And then it wasn't until I was reading through the ebook that I was like, that is definitely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and then I looked it up in the dictionary and was like, the I and the E and the U is all mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with spelling at the best of times. As you may have read in my blog, I do a lot of cryptic crosswords. I do it with a lab mate. But my spelling is actually atrocious. I really struggle normally to spell. So we'll get a word and I'm like, her name is Shiwei. I'm like, oh, Shiwei. I think the word is this. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, I'm not sure because I've tried to Google it, but I can't spell it close enough <laughs> to the word to get it right. <laughs> and then she'll be like, I think you're, yes, Ashley, it is that word. I'm like, okay. And then she went, this is how you spell it. So <laughs> I'm really, really terrible. I'm so terrible. That's funny. The one other thing that I had was talking about strange words. <laughs> because so... In the book that I've been writing, everything's present tense. And then in our books, everything's past tense, which has been the most confusing thing <laughs> in the world. I do not suggest switching between tenses and projects at the same time. I then have to go through and then like double check everything. And even in my own book, I have to change things from past tense to present tense. And in our book, I have to change things from present tense to past tense. <laughs> so I started thinking about the words like could not equals couldn't, would not, wouldn't, cannot, can't, and then will not is randomly won't. And I was like, that's kind of weird when you think about it. Like, shouldn't it be willn't or something? (laughs) (laughs) Well, are you saying it? You're like, maybe that's why. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then I was like, will't, will't. No, that doesn't work. And I was like, maybe that's why it's won't. (laughs) Do you think it used to be willn't? Do you think willn't? 
back way back like in old English it was will will I can't even say it I think it's always been won't maybe I need to like look up the entomology of it because it's always so fascinating but I was you know just going over the word won't and I was like this is this is strange because I couldn't think of it for a second I was like what am I trying to say here I'm trying to use the words will not what is that again oh yeah it's won't (laughs) but I'm just I'm very confused before this past and present tense stuff that would be really confusing really confusing I'm not surprised I would struggle it just creeps in you'll be speaking in present tense and then suddenly it'll start like the past tense will start creeping in (laughs) or like the other way around when I went to redo the chapters like chapter the early chapters of our book I couldn't even work out how because by that point you know I'd just been doing chapter plans at my book and I hadn't been writing in past tense for a while and I couldn't work out how to change back to past tense I was like oh my god how do I do this? And then I had to read through several chapters to be able to be like, oh, okay, I think I've kind of got the flow of it. And then I'd start writing and then it would suddenly change to present tense again. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was very, very confusing. I do have that occasionally. There was one chapter in Darkness Set Us Free, the Grace chapter, when she comes back to her house and they're talking about her house. and Well, she's talking about her house. And the first time I wrote it, for some reason, I wrote it in present tense, and then I couldn't for the life of me <laughs> work I out. I think I noticed it at the beginning of that yeah. chapter, which is why I changed some of it. Yeah, I couldn't work out then how to put it into past tense. I I just struggled. I gave up. I, was, I just can't even, I can't remember how to change these words. I don't know what's happened, so I know what you mean. You kind of get used to changing it, but if you haven't, if you're not used to switching between them, like if you go for writing one for a while, and then you try and change the other, it's very disorientating. <laughs> yeah, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> um, so should we talk about what we're doing next time on yes. the show? Yes. So sticking with the theme of trying to talk about basically our new book, which we're going through a lot of the planning stages. So this kind of, because we've been dealing with a lot of plot stuff, um, that's sort of why we decided this, podcast would be about plot problems and things like that the next step for our new book is doing some character development and character creation so yep. we thought why not talk about creating believable characters next week or yeah. next month so I'm quite excited about that because I feel since like the last time I've done a like a character sheet I've learned a lot about what makes a character interesting and believable and what makes them more 3D. So I think it should be quite an interesting topic to speak to. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, I always like creating characters for some reason. There's something about it that's really, I find really fun. I feel like it's kind of cool when they gain their own life, you know, and then, you know, you try and shape events around them and it doesn't work because they're like, no. And then they get all stubborn on you. I quite like that. <laughs> yes, yes. We have a lot of that in our teen fiction series where a lot of things are like, I refuse to do what you want. Lizzie's usually the most problematic that way. She has her own agenda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grace is a lot more, or I don't know, she can be a bit tricky though. Yeah, you can get her to do most things, but I think the way that she doesn't outright refuse to do things, she just makes your life difficult doing it yeah 
I have these like interviews stored on my computer. Like if I, this is another good thing for solving plot issues, which we should have mentioned earlier. But <laughs> so if you've read my blogs, you'll know about my method of interviewing my characters <laughs> where I have these like random interviews stored on the computer and it'll be like me talking to the character and being like, hey, so you're at this point right now. What do you think about that? What's going on in your head? And like all these <laughs> random questions. And they'll be like, who are you? And I'm like, that doesn't matter. That's irrelevant. Just focus on the task. What are you thinking? And what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and so I have these like weird, I know it sounds really strange. Slightly crazy. I find them amazing. <laughs> Dylan's one was the most yes. hilarious. Um, that's my favorite one where she interviews she interviews Dylan, but um, he doesn't want to play ball with her. So she'll ask him questions. And he's like, but who are you? I don't understand. Why are you in my head? <laughs> and then her interview kind of just ends. <laughs> and he's like, okay, well, that was weird. <laughs> it was very on brand for Dylan, though, which was made it more hilarious. Although I don't think it helped you solve the plot problems very much. Tomothy was a lot easier to talk to. Who No one will know who I'm talking about, but that's okay. He was a lot easier. His his interview. Jess's was kind of hers was really good. Weird. It was good though. Hers was quite good though. It it did it helped us really solve like the plot problem that I was we were talking about earlier with making the climax more climactic <laughs> <laughs> in the price of pandemonium. That really helped. <laughs> that is a very useful technique I've found. <laughs> I read it in a book and I was like, I'm totally gonna do this. It just sounds kind of fun anyways, interviewing your characters, whether or not it helps you solve any plot problems. Anyways, so that's what we're talking about. It's creating believable characters. Yeah, so I hope you guys all enjoyed the discussion that we had this month about solving plot points. Really enjoyed speaking to it, and it's almost enlightened sort of our process a bit more for myself because, you know, struggling through these chapter plans it's been really good to kind of sit down and say, hey, this is how we usually do things. So, yeah, hope you guys got something out of that. I certainly also got things out of it. So it's good just chatting, talking through things. Yes. So if you guys want to get a hold of us and learn more about us, you can go to our website at www.lindersoncreations.com. And so for us, if you're listening and you really like our show, it would be really helpful if you guys follow us on uh, whatever podcasting apps you use and leave a review. We would love to hear from you. We have a contact form on our website Lindson Creations that you can contact us on or if you would prefer doing social media there's always Facebook as well or Instagram they're both at Lindison Creations yes we'd love to hear from you tell us your mistakes of the month please yeah <laughs> please. <laughs> I really want to hear what other people's mistakes are I know that sounds it sounds a bit you know a bit me we promise we're not gonna like totally no, laugh at you no so I hope that everyone has a great month and we will see you all next time Yes, happy writing, everyone.